Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they're all aligned to our nine principles framework. Before we get started, I want to tell you about our new book club where we'll dive into each chapter of my newly released book, Hardwiring Excellence in Education, The Nine Principles Framework. The book is about leadership. And this club is for anyone who practices leadership regardless of their position and who seeks to get better at leadership. Meet with us twice a month for interactive sessions and discussions starting next Monday through November 13th. Each meeting, We will go chapter by chapter to go through the book as we dive into the nine principles. I'd love for you to join us. For more details and to sign up, please head over to studereducation.com slash hardwiring excellence. Now let's jump into today's episode. We have two special guests joining us today, John Malone and Alicia Hewlin. Before we get started, I'd love to tell you a little bit about each of them. John serves as Regional Director and Chief Executive for the Northwestern Illinois Association, also known as NIA. He began his career in 2000 as a special education teacher in Rockford, Illinois. From there, he went on to become a consultant for the Illinois Autism Project, a special education supervisor, and an assistant director of special education for Rockford Public Schools. He joined NIA in July 2015 as director and CEO. John believes the key to providing unmistakable value to NIA partners is a relentless focus on employee engagement and process improvement. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Alicia. Alicia serves as executive director of human resources and strategic engagement at South Louisiana Community College. She has served the community college for just over 17 years. Alicia has demonstrated history of working in higher education industry with diversity, equity, and inclusion experience, people management, and a strong commitment to the employee experience. She's also skilled in coaching and mentoring, team building, employee conduct, and public speaking. I invited John and Alicia today because they are shining examples of leaders committed to excellence in their organizations. Today, we'll discuss how they develop and apply standards of excellence in their organizations and learn how those help them to operationalize their organizational values. We'll discuss this more today. So I'm excited to have John and Alicia on our show today so that we can highlight principle one, commit to excellence, and that's around the standards of excellence. So it is with great pleasure that I bring on the show today and welcome back Alicia Hewlin from South Louisiana Community College and John Malone from NIA. So glad to have you with us, John. Thanks for being back with us. Good to be here. I'm a fan, as you know, of the pod. So Yes, thanks so much. I appreciate that. And Alicia, thanks for being with us. Absolutely. I wouldn't miss it. It's going to be fun. It is always fun and uh, just so glad to have you on together today. Uh, the work that both of you have done with the, in many ways and in so many of the nine principles and the tactic tools and tactics are just admirable and provide a model. Today, we wanna focus on principle one and the standards of excellence and kind of interesting, Alicia and John, as I was writing the book, 
one thing that I found and one reason I started with the standards of excellence as as principle one and at the at the centerpiece is because as I was going through the book and writing about each principle, I found myself connecting back to the standards of excellence. Like it's hard to really to apply some of the others if we haven't defined what those expectations are. So I found myself just going back to the standards and just reinforcing me how important they were. So I'm going to kind of, John, I'll start with you. You know, let's talk about the importance and why it's important to you, why it was important to develop the standards for your organization and and what you think for organizations in general. Okay. Yeah, I agree, Janet. The standards of excellence is one of those, I think, high leverage techniques that kind of, you know, it does one thing, but it does so many and it impacts so many of your other systems. So when I came to NIA in 2015 as a new leader, I just wanted to have a positive impact on my leadership. And um, I knew from coming in from my lived experiences that culture would probably play an outsized role in my success and in the success of my team. And so I was looking for a strategy that would help adults, you know, who come from different lived experiences and backgrounds, They've been in different, you know, places of employment and with different leaders. And I wanted to find a strategy that would help us agree on a way that we could all come together and do our work. And so just going through that process of just defining observable behaviors based on our core values and then teaching them, teaching that they're expected from everyone in the organization um, provided some clarity and direction around that for our team. Yeah, so good. And both of you all teach to them so well, by the way. And that's one reason I highlighted, you know, I know kind of the backstory to the to the stories too, but you know, it's not just you created them and they just sit there. I mean, you 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 constantly teach to them. So and that's what keeps them alive and in the organization, right? You know, so important there. Absolutely. You're I think once you create the standards, you do need to monitor just as if you're teaching, you know, in a classroom, you need to monitor that what you think should happen is happening and then reteach or make sure, you know, strengthen your onboarding or teach the standards in a different way so that you get, you know, the expected behavior. That's right. And that's what's key there. So Alicia, you know, I know, you know, that we kind of started years ago and the way we operationalized the values and really begin to shift the culture. So talk a little bit about why it was important for you all. I know um, we are just kind of generally called standards of excellence. You all call them standards of practice, but why, you know, why important? Well, you know, when I sat here and started reflecting about our standards of excellence, you know, I remember that these were really created in a time where we were building a foundation, right? And, And so when we take a step back and we look at those standards of excellence as a framework for a foundation that really provides a frame of reference for everything we do. Like you said, when you were writing the book, you kept going back to those standards. Well, I feel like as we're on our journey, whether it's year three, four, five, or, you know, moving into our second strategic plan uh, with in lockstep with Studer, we're still using it as a vehicle for continuous improvement. And I think it really boils down to the values or the standards themselves We use them as a mirror to kind of hold it up and say, hey, where can you be better? Where can we push forward? Where can we improve? And with that, it's provided some clear direction of where processes need to be improved or things need to be changed. Maybe we 
we don't do something that we, we did years ago because we're constantly looking to evolve. And then again, I think there's still another arm of why it's so important because it's helped employees understand what's expected of them. Sort of like that value alignment, like, yeah, this is what trust means to the organization. This is what collaboration means and looks like to our organization. And it's helping those employees understand a common expectation rather than applying their own definition or their own thought to what we mean. Yeah. And that their thoughts and the leader's thoughts are, may not align. Exactly. <laughs> the consistency piece is perfect. Yes. Quite so well. So let's talk about that. John, I'll, I'll shift back to you. How have the standards of excellence helped you build those consistent expectations uh, across the organization for employees? Yeah, well, I think one of the core concepts behind the standard strategy is that the behaviors are expected, you know, by everyone on the team. And that includes, you know, high, middle and low performers and in leaders. And I think, you know, I do call out the groups because in some cultures, there is an unevenness and expectation between maybe an employee and a leader or a high performer that does their job well but doesn't do some pro team behaviors very well. And so I think that kind of gels that mm-hmm. concept together um, for me. And so even though we involved everyone in our team in developing the standards, it still took time for them to understand that they were for everyone. And so <laughs> yeah. as an example, we have a few standards around transparent communication and the way that we need to deliver conversations to each other, which is hard for adults in, you know, certain situations. And so we actually had to develop conversation scripts to support the kind of caliber of conversation that we really needed to have with each other for effective teaming. And so I think, you know, in summary, the standards help our team recognize pro-team behavior, and they also start to recognize what is really anti-team behavior and over time, our team has come to appreciate, you know, that strategy that if we're we're stronger together as a team, and that means we do these things, and it also means that we don't do some other things. Yeah, so good. You know, and I think the, um, as you're talking, John, and uh, connecting back to Alicia, you know, what you were saying as well, it's that consistent, you know, it's really, it, and it does, you know, I think the other thing that that happens is you have the standards and you're always moving toward consistency, but you're not always consistent. I mean, you're consistent in the way you apply, but it's help, those standards really help us get back to that consistency. So, you know, I think some of the, one thing I've, I've kind of learned when people are like, well, the standards aren't working. Well, why aren't they working? You know, I mean, they're working. It just, we're going to get out of sync sometimes, but the standards help us pull back. Does that make sense there? So, you know, I'm not going to be perfect all the time, I mean, 100%, but it allows us to pull back. So, you know, I know, Alicia, you know, you all have worked on that over the years with the transitions, with mergers, with transitions of leadership. Can you talk a little bit about that, those consistent expectations and how that's helped you there? Absolutely. So, you know, as a baseline, I think we use our standards just to provide that benchmark, right? So you have those those values, you have them defined. What what do we mean when we talk about service and trust and accountability? But not only that, providing some examples of what that looks like. And so for us, in order to build the consistency, 
we've identified what does quality performance look like? What do we expect as far as for ethical conduct and professional behavior? And, and you know, we, we took the standards of practice probably to a little bit more detailed document than um, other partners you may have. And, and that was very intentional for us because what we wanted to understand, what we wanted everyone to understand is that this wasn't just a leadership document. This was a living document for even frontline staff employees to operate from. And so because we pushed it out that way, uh, we had to break it down in another level because I would go around and we would visit about the standards of practice and I would have staff tell me, oh, yes, we absolutely, you know, I understand how I connect to trust and respect and integrity. But in my job, there's really not a whole lot for me to innovate. And I'm like, whoa, 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 no, everyone has an opportunity to innovate. So what we did is we had departments actually personalize their standards of excellence. So they had the value, they had how we defined it or what it looked like in, in terms of the college. But then we said, okay, in accounting, in human resources, in student services, what do these look like? What actions are identified in, in those pieces and parts that help you understand how you connect? And so for us, that built consistency in everyone being able to say, oh no, I understand now how I contribute to innovation or collaboration or accountability. Because when it was pieced out and detailed in their personal department, they felt that connection, which then helped create buy-in to the overall strategic plan because they understood it. They understood where they fit in. And I think that is one of the best ways we've used our standards of practice in, in building mm -hmm. consistency. Yeah. And, you know, I think the um, one thing that you alluded to, that's great. And it, and just having, I, I find myself saying that m many of the tactics of what we do is really around having good conversations, right? Mm -hmm. Regardless of the tactic, you know, it's, it's, whether it's data and looking at data, it's just, it's, it, how do we build the standards and have good conversations? And, you know, as you, as we look at those standards, and Alicia, you kind of alluded to, if you look in the book and you look at the examples, one reason, there are a number of reasons I used you all as examples. First of all, because you have a lot behind that. There's a lot that's not written in the book that you do and you're just models with that. And they don't look alike and they look different in many ways because Alicia, as you mentioned, yours was, you're, you all had to be more comprehensive in nature because you were going through a culture shift when you developed them. You were merging two organizations together, right? And you were really, you had people who didn't necessarily want to be together. Yes. <laughs> you know? yes, that is true. <laughs> yeah, so that's a circumstance by which you were able to do that. So John, I just talk a little bit more before we move on to how you use them. You know, just talk a little bit more about the, the makeup of your organization and you know, what you were really wanting to accomplish, like that changing culture and really solidifying a foundation was important at SLCC. But, you know, when you went into and said, as a leader, this is going to help me do X. Yeah. Um, so for NIA, just to give you a, a little context, we are an organization that works with school districts, but the school districts must choose us annually. So we are not guaranteed our business from year to year and we really have to focus on customer service to make sure that you know our jobs are around 
for another cycle. So ultimately, I, you know, in working with my team, I was looking to create effective, you know, customer service providers, really people who would buy into that excellence principle, right? We're on a journey to excellence. And so we're out there to provide best in class customer service standards. And so as we were developing the standards, I think our team knew that that was our mission because we had been talking about the details of our business case and strategy. And so part of what made it into our standards is how we will behave as a team, knowing that if we behave that way, we'll have a positive impact on our customers. And we are just looking to demonstrate, you know, that value that keeps them coming back. So, yeah, so good. So I thank you all for doing that because I, I just, I think it helps our listeners just to understand it's not, I mean, two different purposes, although, you know, the same type of tactic, but really kind of going at it from angles Two different angles and there could be a, you know 10 more angles that people are trying to to move forward with yeah reiterate how high leverage this strategy is because you are working on you know employee experience through the standards you're working mm-hmm. on customer service through the standards um, like alicia pointed out you're teaching people how their job plays a role in the whole team um, and all of those are just key when you're working with with humans, so. Yes, yeah, and and again, it just showing how they connect to the, what you're talking about, just showing how they connect to the other principles and hard to really leverage those tactics and the other principles without having the, the standards in place. So let's talk a little bit, Alicia, I'll go to you. You know, how do you, just talk a little bit about how you, talk about how you developed them, what the expectations are, and how do you use them? What do you do with your teams? We use them in, several big ways, I feel like. So first, I feel like our overall standards of practice, they really have been used as the basis for a lot of our staff and leader development sessions. So whether we are building content for our staff development institute, a leadership development institute, or a leadership workshop, we try to tie everything back to those standards. So that way, the takeaway is constantly pushing the refocus back on what we created, you know, in 2015. It's not something new. It's about continuous improvement. It's not about doing something that we haven't done before. It's about doing something that we currently do better. And, you know, I think we, we learned that from you. It's not always about doing more or doing new. It's doing better. So that continuous improvement piece in the development side. And then in another big way, we've used our standards of excellence to crosswalk them directly into our annual evaluation process. So you have this living document that it's a document all departments reference and all employees reference all year long. The evaluation is never supposed to be a surprise, right? And so what we have taught our leaders to do is take those standards, crosswalk them into the evaluation, based on the expectations that we've built into our documents, either as a college or as a department. And then that's sort of also taken the difficult piece for supervisors out of it, the subjectivity out of it. It's focused on our standards of practice. Here it is. You knew what to expect from the beginning. You understand how these standards impact your department. And it's like this automatic workflow that just rolls up. And and the employee understands how it's all connected. So those are just two really big ways that we use them. But 
you know, when you start looking at everything we do, we, we're embedding those values and processes and procedures. They tell you what isn't customer friendly or student friendly, what isn't working for your employees. Because when you run into those, those walls where you have to make tweaks and adjustments, those values dictate that. They, they just sort of feel like things stick out at, like a sore thumb when they're not working. And I feel like our standards have been able to help us adjust and, and tweak where necessary. So it, three different pieces of that and how we use them. Yeah, good. You know, and I, as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, it takes that somewhat can take that emotion out or when people go down that emotional path of two people are not getting along or connecting, you know, they look at it from a personal standpoint, but really being able to pull it back to the standards to say, hey, you know, we're just going to connect back to the standards and look at what we're expected to do. Mm-hmm. This is not personal in terms of what we're, what we're, how we're engaging with each other. We just need to figure out how we use those standards to, to have a conversation on what we expect, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's critical. And again, as you all have made continuous transitions and you're, you've been in an organization of transition and, you know, almost on an annual basis, that becomes critical for you to do that. What about you, John? In in uh, you know, how do you use your standards of excellence at NIA? I think you know we do some of the same things as Alicia, um, and we have incorporated them into our evaluations um, systems. I I think what I want to say is that ultimately, we're one of the core lessons that we're teaching people through the standards is that. If you're a member of a team, it's not okay to just be great at the technical aspects of your job. Being a member of a team changes the expectation to be that you're also an excellent team player and that you're growing in both of those areas. And I think that was a little bit of a change in understanding for people across our team. And so we do a few things to kind of reinforce that, like to leverage that We ask our job applicants to review and agree to these even before filling out an application. We teach them explicitly during our onboarding process. Uh, So all teammates have a good solid hour of training in these um, standards. We display them prominently. I think like Alicia was saying, they, they kind of live out and about in the workplace physically and also in your electronic work areas. We also developed a couple of positive reinforcement programs. So one is really specific peer-to-peer. So the peers are recognizing each other for demonstrating the standards of excellence. And then we also take advantage of that leader to teammate, you know, thank you for coming in and, you know, being an effective member of our team. I think Alicia covered the evaluation systems. What's that, what is important to that about me is the accountability piece. And I think Janet, you said earlier, if you if, if we don't point out what's important for our people to work on, sometimes they work on what they think is important. Right. That, you know, may or may not be the best strategy for the team. I think the last thing I'll say about you know, how we use and keep the standards in place is that we measure employee experience and employee net promoter twice a year to make sure that standards program and our other programs are creating the type of culture that we think is going to give us the best team performance. 
I think the standards could change at NIA as an example, if we decide that we need to change our strategy, our values probably will stay in place, but our standards might change as the business changes. And so yeah, um, we want to just continue to measure the effectiveness of the work we're doing in leadership to make sure we get the results that we want. Yeah, I think so good. And I love the um, the connection to the standards may change a little bit. You know, it's interesting as as we've grown and uh, brought new team members on, um, you know, the standards were developed without them. Right. You know, so they were they were developed and they and so we have a, a much bigger team than we had when we first developed them. And so one of the things we just did at our last strategy retreat is really kind of go through an exercise with with new and and uh, people who are new newer to the team and those who have been with us is really talking through what that standard means and you know how to is there anything we need to do to update it based on where we are today you know I mean that the areas of the standards for the most part like you said stay the same but those sub components of them in terms of how we work together as a team as we grow you know it's it's worth kind of taking a look and having conversations and being open to if we need to modify change and tweak, you know, and, and manage to that it's theirs, right? I look at it from a leader, like these aren't my standards. These are your standards. And you're helping me as a leader really understand what's meaningful to you. I mean, I, you know, I have to agree that those things are meaningful, but they do. I mean, I mean, how many times do people who are working with you like get out of line and developing the standards. I've not seen it, right? I've not seen that. So no. they're going to give you, right? They're going to give you their best. And as a leader, we assume that that, and we understand that, and we sh- shift it to, these are your standards that you're helping guide me as a leader. Does that make sense there? Yeah, 100%. So yeah, let me, I, yeah go ahead, John, please. Well, I was just going to say, I think that overall, they've been, they're positively received because the people in our systems that, enjoy knowing what's expected of them and we generally like to achieve so that's right yeah and when people say you know when we get that question I don't know what it's expected of me these this is one way to help people understand you know you not only do you know what's expected but you you've helped define those expectations in the in the workplace so I'll just kind of end with this quick question you know Alicia I'll ask you can you imagine what would SLCC be like without these standards? You know, does that ever cross your mind? It does, actually. And I think in in the most recent years, that has crossed my mind a lot. As you know, we've gone through a lot of senior leadership change in the last uh, few years. And without that standard of practice there to sort of be the anchor, it's easy for new leaders coming on board who really haven't been exposed to our journey to say, oh, but, you know, this is important and this is important and and sort of dilute what we've been doing. But when you have a new leader come in and you have this framework and this is what we're working towards and here's what we expect, it's like they kind of, oh, okay, you know, they don't have to recreate the wheel. So for me, I think it's actually saved us with senior leadership transition. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I couldn't imagine not having it to refer to and help them catch up on our journey. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, that's been higher education. We've seen so much senior leadership transition in the last three to four years. So those standards are really, really important. 
um, when, and it is when we get out of, out of sync, then we can, we can pull back, we yep. can pull back to this, we can pull back to this as a solid grounding. That's good. John, what are your thoughts? I mean, can you, you know, think back when you didn't have them to when you have them now and what it feels like? Yeah, I would never want to not have the standards as a tool, you know, just for myself as a individual teammate and also for my team. And this is something that I reflected on strongly during the beginning, middle and end of the pandemic that we've all been through. And as we watch kind of like other systems become more politically different and there becomes a wider gap in how groups agree to practice, you know, standards or to come together and work as a group. I've just been especially thankful that we've carved out a little spot in the universe at NIA where we do have that agreement um, because it's it can be just disorienting being a part of a system where there are value words being thrown about, but you're just not sure how everyone is expected to demonstrate them. That's such a good, good point. So even, you know, in those times of, of turbulence, you know, in our, in our uh, society, in our world, and, and what comes at us, those, we can fall back on those because that they're the, it's the consistency that connects our organization together. Um, so I thank you so much for being with us today. Um, as I mentioned before, it's in Principle one, you know, commit to excellence. In order for us to commit to excellence, we have to understand what those expectations are of ourselves and each other and do that together with our teams. And you all have done that so well. And it was it was an honor to highlight you all um, in that part of the book. So thank you, Alicia. Thanks for joining today. Thank you. And John, thank you for joining. Thank you. Thank you both. I think you can see how John and Alicia have done excellent work to develop and apply the standards of excellence connected to our first principle in the Hardwiring Excellence book and as part of the nine principles. I included them as examples in the book because of their great leadership. And I just appreciate today how they were able to share with us what the story is behind the story in the book. They have done exceptional work around the standards of excellence, but you know what? They've done exceptional work aligned to all of the nine principles. So appreciate them being with us today. Before we go today, I wanna make sure you know about our upcoming event, What's Right in Education. It's one of my favorite and it's our annual leadership conference. You'll hear about key strategies to shift culture, improve processes, and exceed results. These two and a half days will highlight specific tactics from the Nine Principles Framework that actively drive results in highly effective organizations. You will see star leaders in organizations presenting at this conference, uh, similar to those like John and Alicia. It's the story behind the story and digging into the detail of what they've done that align to the execution of the nine principles and executing to fidelity to achieve results and build great places for people to work and engage their employees to do the best work that they can. And that's what this podcast is all about. You can view our featured speakers and find out more about what's right in education on studereducation.com slash events. I sure hope you'll think about joining us. We're going to have a lot of fun and learn a lot from each other. 
And as always, I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles framework so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week, everyone.